Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest, I'm super excited to introduce Luke Daly, who is a registered nutritionist and a personal trainer doing incredible things in the nutrition and health industry. Between one-on-one consults, um, workshops in schools, corporate workshops, seminars, lecturing at universities, and everything else that I'm sure he'll tell us about today. I'm really interested to hear about all that you do and how you have built up such an incredible business and how you are making such an amazing impact on so many people's lives through everything you do. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me today, Luke. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I'm quite excited to be here and uh, go through some different topics with you. Yeah, it's going to be great. So let's get started by, if you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the whole health space in the first place. Yep. Um, Yeah, really good question. Um, So health is something I've always been interested in um, since I was a kid. Um, And during my teenage years, I got into some competitive swimming, uh, which I got quite obsessed about. And I was training two or three times a week trying to get to a high level. So I think that's where the, the sport angle came in. And then health sort of followed that because... I wanted to learn how I could fuel myself a little bit better, recover quicker, uh, to try and get those those quicker uh, race times. And then from there, it, it sort of led into a into a degree. I, I didn't really do too well at school. Um, I messed up, I messed about a little bit, and, uh, and then I got myself into a degree. I don't know how I, I did it um, to this day, but anyway, I got into a sports science degree at Essex University um, in England. Um, it was a course that I really wanted to get into, and then I did that for a year or so. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been to Essex before. It's, it's quite an interesting place. There's a lot, of, a lot of issues of Essex, a lot of beautiful places in Essex, but a lot of, of issues. And I ended up in a very dodgy area in Essex living, and there was a lot of crime, a lot of, lot of issues going on. And I, I had problems um, during the first year. So I actually transferred after that first year over to Nottingham University, and then I, I jumped courses from sports nutrition over to uh, nutrition. Um, and I studied with dietitians for, for three, two, three years to finish off that, that degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came out of that with a, a Bachelor of Honours Science in, in Nutrition. And then I had no idea, no idea what to do. And I, I knew that I liked food. I knew that I, I liked cooking, but I had no idea what to do with the information I've just been offered. Um, so from there, I jumped into, went, went to a master's course purely by accident again, uh, because I was following a woman. I had a girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time and she was studying in Liverpool. So I ended up traveling up to Liverpool uh, and um, she was studying a, a vet course, uh, and I decided to do a course at Chester University in, in public health nutrition. And then my passion, I think, just really kick-started from there because I started to learn more. So health's always been there. My mom's a nurse. Uh, my dad's been in that sort of G- – stepdad's been in the GP setting. So, yeah, I've always had that sort of health concern. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, you know, 12 years on working in public health nutrition, you know, passion for health is – is enormous. I live and breathe it and it's quite infectious and it, it's quite annoying to some people, I think, sometimes. <laughs> as I'm sure you, you might appreciate as a, you know, as a nutritionist, it's a, it sort of infiltrates people all the time. 
Yeah, some people just aren't ready to hear what we have to say, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. then there's a lot who are receptive and love our passion. And yeah, you can really see your passion shine through and it, it makes you so good at what you do as well. So it's fantastic to see that it's still burning yeah. strong after so many years too. Yes, yes. You just find different angles to keep your passion alight, really, because you can get crushed pretty easily in, in today's society. Yeah. Um, so that sounds awesome. So tell us a little bit about your job progression since then. So what did you go into first after graduating and how did that evolve? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I spent a lot of my um, university life working in bars and, and clubs and pubs, um, which sort of seems weird because you're studying nutrition and then you, you know, serving people alcohol, but it didn't it made perfect <laughs> sense at the time. Um, and when I, I finished, I graduated, I went straight into voluntary work. One of the biggest downfalls I think that I did is I didn't appreciate uh, voluntary work whilst I was studying and it came to the last year of my degree that I really started to focus on volunteer um, so I worked in an age concern center which is like a, a residential organization in England for people who had dementia and Alzheimer's and yeah. I started to learn about the links between nutrition and, and dementia and Alzheimer's um, and there was this, this particular guy he was a scientist um, who was part of this age care center and he was an incredibly smart guy he wrote lots of books about cancer uh, and I was chatting to him with a high, he had high um, dementia um, symptoms and I would talk to him for 30 seconds and then his brain would just go. Mm. But that 30 second window was just incredible. Like he was telling me all about the cancer and biology and cells. And I think that sort of kickstart my, my sort of interest in, in that field. Um, and I worked with him for about three or four months supporting him, incredible on the piano, but then his memory would go after like 30 seconds and then mm. be a new conversation again. Mm. Um, so anyway, that was my first voluntary job. Um, for a while and then after that when I graduated from my master's degree um, I was very very lucky to get into my first um, national health service job so the NHS in England so I worked as a as a public health nutritionist which to this day is, is the best role I've, I've ever had I basically dropped straight into the deep end in a, in a place called Mansfield which is a very deprived um, area in, in England it's I think it's like the most eighth most obese town in in Europe um, so you can imagine the sort of issues that that was going on so there was high obesity gun crime knife crime you know family violence um, chronic diseases mental health problems and my my role was to work with three community nutritionists to run 500 intervention programs a year yeah, so we basically wow. go out into Nottingham get in front of anybody that we could so that schools children centers um, community centers schools the whole just the whole works I remember running a cooking course at a YMCA center and I knew the people that I was talking to had a lot of family violence issues and I knew some of them had knives on them um, and a lot of a lot of issues. So I grew up very quickly from the age of, how old was I, 20, about 20, I think, during yeah. that. So uh, wow. I went in with a, a little bit of an ego thinking that I could solve all these problems in the area, but you get knocked down very, very quickly. <laughs> and, you have to learn that you're a 20 year old and you're there to, to help and support people. So I did that job for about three years wow. um, as my first entry job. And, and from that, I knew exactly what I was good at and I knew what I was very poor at and, and I sort of grew in, into future roles from there. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's England. So my, that's my nutrition job. And I also had a business on the side doing sports nutrition stuff for running clubs wow. um, just for a bit of easy cash. And then met my wife and then she brought me over to Australia. So she's an Aussie. Yep. And then we basically spent, um, if you want to deep down, you know, information what we did, we, we spent a year and a half with basically no jobs, mm -hmm. unemployed, 
nobody was interested in, in what we had to say. Um, I didn't have my visa through properly. Um, so we worked some really dodgy gym jobs. Yeah. So uh, we worked as like membership consultants. So we were basically trained to manipulate people to sign up to gym memberships <laughs> and pu pu push on their insecurity. So those gym people that you go to, those, those contractor guys, we were trained to be those dickheads, basically. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Well, at least you can around now. <laughs> yeah, in perspective now, I'm like, this just, it, it crushes you, like how they try and manipulate you a little bit. I mean, some gyms are great and they, 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 they care about you, but the yeah. gym that I worked for really didn't. They just wanted the money out of you and try and hide little charges here and there. Anyway, yeah. um, so I, after four months, we had to hit certain sales um, targets every month. And after four months, I, I was fatigued and I was exhausted. Uh, and my manager said to me, so you've got two choices. You can either carry on going hard or you can go home. And I said, I'm going to go home. So I quit that day. Mm -hmm. I left and I've never been back to that gym ever since. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> after that, we had another six months worth of unemployment after that. And then I just started to apply for jobs. It must've been at least 50 jobs that I applied for through Seek and yeah. Indeed before I even got a, an interview. Um, and that's when my visa started to kick in. And oh. then people were like, ah, okay, you're going to stay in Australia for a while. Um, yeah. And then I got my first interview with Diabetes Victoria, which um, uh, I, I remember now um, was about six, seven years ago. I was petrified. I thought I've, I've applied for 50 odd jobs. Um, this, I'm not going to get this job. I'm not the right person that they want. And uh, I had a call back within 24 hours saying, can you start next week? Um, and Incredible. I was like, wow, breakthrough. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a training coordinator job. So I was training about two to 300 facilitators a year to run um, something called the life program, which, mm -hmm. which is, uh, in Victoria. Um, and I learned how to connect with healthcare professionals. I saw gaps in the market, uh, and basically built a, a nice network of people up at Diabetes Victoria. And then eventually over the years, I just started to cut back to, to from five days to four days to three days, and then started to pick up my own contracts as my business started to grow as well. Yeah. Um, and then we, we cut back completely about probably three, three bit years ago and then we decided to run uh, our own stuff really and get into schools and what you see on our website the, the community workshops and and the lecturing and then um then yeah that sort of takes us through to probably the last three or four years we'll be really working flat out to keep our business going yeah <laughs> in a quick five minute nutshell <laughs> yeah. so interesting and i love that you did include those ups and the downs and like all those experiences in there really would have helped to build your character and made you into the successful nutritionist you are today. So yeah, it's really fascinating hearing the full story like that. Yeah. Uh, it's never saying say, uh, plain sailing and there's always ups and downs and yeah. that's where you learn who you are and what you can do and actually endurance. You've, you've got to be in a marathon to, yeah. as you know, to run a business. Yeah. And I've actually, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about how we actually learn better from failure and we shouldn't be afraid of failure because if everything is always just going right for us or if everything is smooth sailing, comfortable, and we're always just successful, then we're not going to learn and we're not going to look at what we need to improve about ourselves or about our roles or changing jobs like you did at that gym. So yeah, it's really, I think all of it is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I, my, my brother who's in England, he's, he's that millennial sort of, you know, era. Um, and he, he thinks that everything's going to be given to him on a, on a platter. Um, and he's not, he's really not succeeded at all. He's, he's still working in a library. Um, and hopefully he's not watching this because he will give me a smack. Um, but I, I think you need grit. 
So at what point in that journey did you start your business and did you start getting those um, side contracts and starting to do your own workshops alongside the diabetes work that you were doing? Yeah. Um, well, in England, we, we sort of set up our own sort of business in a way doing the little contracts on the side. So, so I kind of had an idea about how a business could run, yeah. uh, how to invoice, how to do all the admin, you know, how to secure contracts. And then we sort of brought it over here. Um, and the, the second we sort of got into Australia, I was doing a lot of free work for people. So I was doing, you know, nutrition guides or organizing eating plans for people. Um, and people could see that we, we had a Facebook page that was growing, but I wasn't being paid for any of this at all. And, and legally, I wasn't allowed to be paid for it because I couldn't be a sole trailer until I got my visa through. Okay. So we did a lot of free yeah. stuff, a lot of free stuff um, to get going. And that kept my passion going. It kept my research skills going as well. Um, yeah. Then when, we, when I got into Diabetes Victoria, I knew that we needed a, a solid foundation to get a mortgage. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I, you know, this job is amazing. It's like, you know, wonderful job in Australia, but I also needed to make sure that we were, I was going to be in that job for a while. So the mortgage companies would see that I, I have got that, you know, sort of foundation income coming in. I've got a contract for more than 12 months. Yeah. Um, so after, I reckon after about two years, I was getting itchy feet. So the work I was doing was great. I got promoted um to a next level coordinator um and I, I felt quite comfortable and i i like to challenge myself a little bit and if i get complacent i, I don't grow so i spoke to my manager at the time and i said look i'm enjoying the job it's great can i try cutting back down to four days um i can still do the same level of work but i just want that extra day just to trial stuff out and she was very supportive um, wonderful uh, manager at the time um so yeah that's when the workshop started to kick in um oh, so we got a website going. I think our work really kicked started after we had a website and okay. I had, had a friend who taught me how to program a website. So we didn't have to go to um, an external contractor to, to pay thousands of dollars to, to make a website. I, all, I learned how to do it myself. So everything you see on the website is all, all me, um, which I'm quite proud of because it's quite hard to code a website and all that sort of yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, but initially it took, it saved us like at least $10,000 in the first year. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we started to approach schools um, and then we realized that actually approaching schools wasn't the avenue to, to use. Mm -hmm. um, we, we needed to switch it around to schools found us. Yeah. Um, so I remember the first year we were sending out flyers. I was doing these silly little flyers and posting it out to hundreds of schools across Australia and we were getting nothing back. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I've, I've spent so much time building this and it's gone flat. It's completely flat. Now, what am I missing? Um, so anyway, we spent a bit of time building the website, getting the social media going on Facebook. And then before we knew it, people were starting to find us um, and saying, hey, can you come to our school? Remember the first contract we got? We got, um, it wasn't just one, one school. It was um, two schools and we had three days worth of workshops spread over a few days. So yeah. it basically got dropped straight in the deep end. And I had to frantically create our resources because they wanted it within a two-week two period. Um, and then from there, we just learned, we like, right, we need to get people to come to us. And then since then, um, we, we've never chased anybody in three years. Like I've not chased anybody for any contracts. They, they come and find us yeah. and then we just say yes or no, which is a really nice place to be in. Yeah. Um, and I, I know a lot of people are really struggling to try and get that contact, get those clients to, to sign up. But if you have got a good foundation and people know who you are yeah. and you can network well, they, they tap into you and then you, you do the work. Yeah, incredible. So we mentioned that you coded your own website. Are you using like a WordPress-based website? 
Yeah, so I, I found that WordPress is the easiest one to, to program and organize. Yeah. And there's lots of plugins. There's, there's lots of things that you can do yourself. Yeah. Um, the, at the time, though, um, you couldn't, you had to use FileZilla to transfer your cPanel over to a WordPress site, yeah. uh, which is, was quite fiddly. So I had a friend that supported me with that. Mm -hmm. And he taught me how to do it as well. Is nowadays, I think WordPress is a lot more streamlined. You can sign up. Yeah. You can even pay the designers or whatever just to do, you know, $100 just to transfer it over. So nowadays, it's, it's very easy. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad I've got those skills now that I can fix stuff if, if we need to. Yeah, so helpful. And did you do anything to optimize your SEO, the search engine optimization, to bring in that traffic? Or was it more so just the um, social media side of things that was directing them to the website? Yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, so I spent a bit of time learning about SEO, how it works. Uh, and before we know it, we started to land on the first page of Google for a lot of things. Fantastic. So if you look at like healthy eating workshop, I think in Google, we come as like number one. Um, school workshop, we come up as number one as well, I think. So we sort of hit in the top parts of Google, um, which enables people to come and find you. And then the social media drives that right up. Yeah. So I've got two very weird, very odd blog post that I just randomly put up a few years ago. One's on baked beans and the other one's on uh, beef versus kangaroo mints. And every day we get like hundreds of people just going onto these <laughs> blogs alone. All the other stuff that I've paid dietitians to write posts for, nobody's going onto that stuff really. It's all yeah. <laughs> these two random blog posts, but it drives our website up and up and up from there. How funny so blogging is, that? is, is quite <laughs> important. Yeah, I know it's such an odd thing, but that's just the way it is. So for years, for like the last five years, it's been um, just driving our website further and further up into Google. Um, yeah. Yeah. You never know yeah. which content is going to be the most successful nah. one. So not a clue. I always not say a clue. better just to put more out than not enough. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah, that's a good testament to that. <laughs> um, awesome. And so tell us a little bit about the workshops that you do run. So you run in school ones. Should we start with those ones? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So we, we um, have a range of different types of workshops depending on the age of the kids. Yep. Um, so they're tailored to be specific to that age group. So there'll be um, foundation and prep years. There'll be one to two, three to four, five to six. Yep. And then we go up to high school, secondary school. And then we've got university ones that we use as well. So we link into the curriculum. So we, we've got friends that are teachers that have given information about how to tailor things to be part of the curriculum. And we just make it fun. Yeah. Like we use uh, a lot of superhero themes. We use a lot of blindfold food tasting, food labeling, a lot of exercise activities. Um, yeah. And then eventually we, we started to approach different uh, produce companies, such as, what did we do? Aussie Apples. Then there was like Dandenong Market, Frankston Market. Um, and then we actually came across Eco Bananas, which um, was actually quite a weird situation because Diana and, and Frank, the people that own Eco Bananas, the red tip, bananas yeah they they um they have the really passionate for health like enormous passion so yeah. i got on the phone to diane in in queensland and i'm like look we run these workshops it'd be a lovely platform to to introduce your bananas to the kids you know what, what do you want to do and they're like we'll send you a, and as many bananas as you want wow. like, you just tell us tell us where and when um and i've never actually met them it's all been on the phone yeah. And we've had them as a partner now for three years. So any school workshops that we do, we get supplied the bananas and eco bananas get the advertising and the kids get to try the bananas, which taste a million times better than normal bananas. And then it sort of works well for us. There's no money trade off that we get. It's just that we pass the bananas on and it, it makes our business look a bit more substantial. Um, yeah. So it's an amazing partnership. They've invited me out to a Queensland to do a bit of a tour of their, their banana farm, but I've never found the opportunity yet to actually spend a week up there. Eventually yeah, I will. 
Oh, hopefully um, when borders open back up and everything, you can make your way up there and finally see absolutely. it. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. So yeah, th that's one thing we've learned is that you need other people to support you. Yeah. Um, and I have to say this, this isn't just me, Matt. this is definitely not just me and my own. It's my wife that runs it as well. So she's a, she's a children's entertainer. She's a singer and also a personal trainer. So she creates that sort of kid based workshop feel. Amazing. Um, and she she basically runs the business um and i'm also almost like a contract to her really she <laughs> sorts everything out and i i try and build as and make sure we're going in the right direction but she yeah. makes everything's work work quite effectively so you have to work as a team if you're doing workshops because the issue is if i'm out doing like six workshops a day i can't get on the phone and i can't lock in contracts of course um, yeah she can do that so i know there's another team like the biting truth um those girls in i think the new south wales uh, we've actually sent some work over to them over the years, um, but they work so well because they're a partnership. It's, it's two people. Yeah. Um, so it's, not, it's not a solo effort with doing workshops, whereas consulting is, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's important to mention because especially as you are so busy now, yeah, it would be impossible to do everything all on your own. Yeah, and you'd burn yeah. out very, very quickly. After doing yeah. six workshops, your voice is battered, your brain is battered, <laughs> your body's destroyed, um, and there's no way you want to get home on the phone to people. So you, yeah. you need that support to, to, to actually make any success in, in workshop business. Yeah, well, oh, what a power couple. That's awesome. It's great that you both uh, like, complement each other's skills and can work together. Yeah, she's admin. Yeah. She's, her, her brain is so sharp with getting details sorted out, and I'm the bigger picture person, so we sort of work yeah. quite well together. Oh, perfect. Cool. And so was it a combination of you guys sitting down and her using her um, entertainment side of it and you using the nutrition knowledge to come up with the actual workshop content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. So she had spent a lot of, quite a few years working with kids. She knew how to entertain kids and keep their attention span. And by the way, kids' attention span is, is as long as their age. So if you've got <laughs> a five-year-old, it's five seconds. You've got a two-year-old, it's two seconds. So if you're sitting there basically just talking about you know boring topics the kids are going to switch off instantly and they're going to crack it and start running around the room yes. so every every few minutes you need something to spark their interest and it is completely draining it's exhausting it but <laughs> the, the benefit you get out of it is enormous and because i've got two yeah. kids i've almost got a bit of resilience i know how to talk to kids now yeah um but if you don't have kids and you're trying to engage with kids it, it can be really difficult to, to get those messages through yeah um, which I know I've seen some people over the years trying to attempt the school workshop business and they fail within six months because one, they, they haven't got a good website and two, they're just not passionate about kids' health and they don't know how to deal with kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, lucky you're, you've got such a great business now and everyone can sort of come to you for that service. I think you're doing a really good job and um, yeah, I suppose you're the main one I see in your field doing the kids' workshops and um yeah, it is that experience and all those skills you have that's making it so successful. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so do you also do other workshops in terms of like rather than just the kids ones, do you do ones with adults as well or do you focus predominantly yeah. on children? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we we um, we run a range of seminars. Um, so yep. we'll usually have um, regular clients every year, usually city councils mm -hmm. uh, that will approach us saying, look, we, we've got some funds, we, we've got some KPIs we need to hit on health, what sort of seminars can you run? Um, yeah. So we've done quite a lot of work with uh, Whittlesea Council uh, and Hume City Council as well um, to actually go into their leisure centers, yeah. um, actually for the last two years. And we would deliver seminars on sports nutrition, uh, weight management, um, type two diabetes, heart disease, you know, gut health, 
Um, and then we have two other dietitians that that work for us that will go out and, and run them if, if I can't run them myself. Yeah. Um, it's actually four. No, we've got four, yeah, four contractors and two main contractors that we use on a regular basis. Oh. Uh, it just sort of supports me because sometimes I've got to travel northern Victoria um, for a 8 p.m. seminar okay. um, for an hour. And then to get back to where I am down in sort of Mornington area, um, yeah. it's going to take me another two-hour drive. So it's a, it's a long trip. Yeah. Um, so to have people that are spread across Melbourne that can support us a little bit. That's perfect. And at what point did you bring those team members on? Um, I reckon it was after the first year that we sort of set up our workshops. Um, I was juggling working with Diabetes Victoria as well as lecturing as well. So yeah. There's only so much I can do. And I was doing 60 hour weeks. And I'm like, I just, I can't keep this level up. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, so we, we brought in a lady that actually approached us. She said, I want to work for you. I love what you do. Um, and she's a really, she's a mum dietitian. Uh, and then we got her doing some workshops and, and, uh, and yeah, we just sort of went from there really just sort of picked people up when they were approaches. We didn't approach them. They, they came to us. We sh- show that they've got that passion, yeah. um, for, for healthy eating with kids. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so you touched on lecturing there. Let's talk about that next. Um, what's your experience been like as an educator? Um, amazing. Um, I've always wanted to be a lecturer because it takes your brain to a, a new level. So yeah. if you're working with kids, you know, you've got to know about, you know, serving sizes, you know, food groups, keeping it fun. And then high school is a bit more challenging. But then when you get up to university level, you've got to know more than the students. And that's yeah. a really nice place to be. So in England, I did some guest speaking for some universities whilst I was working for the National Health Service. So I'd go out and, and do a bit of guest speaking. And then over in Australia, it was something I wanted to tap into, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So whilst I was at Diabetes Victoria, after two years, I started to go for a few um, meetings with people and, and went to a few conferences uh, and a few interviews just to see, just to sort of tap the water a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I was basically pushed back saying that you don't have the right qualifications to be a lecturer. Mm. So I approached Monash and Deacon. They said you need a PhD and PhDs are four years. I mean, that's a ma- wow. major chunk <laughs> out of my life. And I'm, uh, I might eventually have to do a PhD eventually. But anyway, this university I started to work for was called Laureate University and they, uh, they're a massive international US-based company. They've got a lot of hospitality degrees. Uh, they've got uh, myotherapy degrees. And they, they, they had a new Bachelor of Health Science and Nutrition degree as well. So, Fantastic. Yeah, I went for an interview. They were very interested in all the workshop that I was running. Uh, and they basically said, you've got to do a certificate in training and assessment, mm-hmm. which I, I did in Melbourne. Um, I did that through Diabetes Victoria. And then that was my in. So I had that training certificate as well as having the master's qualification and the work experience so it's sort of like the profile helped me get that job yeah. um, like that contract yeah um, and then and then from there it's just been years years of lecturing so i've been doing that for like four and a half years now yeah um and then i started to lecture for latrobe as well um which is quite nice i got contracted to do some some nutrition lecturing for the dentistry course in, in bendigo fantastic um so yeah it's i think it was just networking really and um, I think being good at what you do and being passionate about what you do, people see that in an interview and it's sort of like, I really want this person to be part of my team. Yeah. I think, I think that's what they're thinking or they have nobody else <laughs> and they just, you know, let's just stick this guy on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's go for the passion option. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and so you also run one-on-one consultations somewhere in that busy schedule of yours. Um, do you want to tell yes. us about your experience with those? Yeah, they're great. I've just been doing them on and off 
basically since I, I graduated in 2009, just for friends and family. Um, I mean, I'm more passionate being in front of a group of people and educating them. I think you get better bang for your buck doing that rather than a one-on-one -on -one consult. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so I started doing a lot of sports nutrition consultations just supporting athletes because uh, I was quite interested in training at the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, I sort of moved over into the diabetes space. So um, we, we've got a contract with the Life Programme now. So we run the Life Programme and we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one consults through that, um, which is funded by the government, which is, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, as well as doing our own community-based one-on-one stuff. So I'll get mums and dads coming in that want to lose weight and sports nutrition, and a little bit of gut health, although I try and flick that over to the dietitians. Um, so yeah, I, I try and rein it in though. I've only got so many slots in our booking calendar for consults. Yeah. Because if that, if that snowballs, the workshop snowballs, the <laughs> lecturing snowballs, I'm screwed basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like goodbye Just got too much. Yeah. And then I'll burn out. And, and I, I was victim of a burnout last year because I, I herniated two discs in my spine because oh, wow. um, I was exercising too much. I was doing too many <laughs> workshops, bending down for kids as well as picking up my own kids and I screwed my back. So that's oh, a man. big wake up call for me to slow the hell down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so important. And one of the questions I generally ask in on the podcast is we're in the business of helping others, but what do you do to help yourself? So it's good to see that you are now like being more conscious of looking after yourself and not burning yourself out again, because you can't yeah. help people if you are not in yep. good sorts. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's so easy to go down that avenue. Like I was all yeah. my frustration and anger, I was pushing straight into the gym using our gym and that, that just screwed me over. Yeah. Um, it just fatigues your body and you need to have at least a day off during the week just to calm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you do also have an at-home gym. Do you, do you have an at-home clinic as well? I suppose now that everything's more transitioned online, you're probably running Zoom consults, but do you want to talk a little bit about that side of it as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, um, I've always wanted to have a gym. So we um, bought a house in, in, in Chelsea originally and I was doing one-on-one -on -one consults. Um, and then we wanted something big. We actually wanted a gym in our house and we couldn't do that at our previous house. So we bought a house in Patterson Lakes and the reason we wanted to get it and this house that we, we've got, we really specifically wanted to get it um, was to separate the house out. So we've got our clinic room at the front of the house and our gym, which is yeah. basically a large garage that we've converted into a, a professional um, studio. And then we live at the back of the house. Perfect. Quite nice. so we've, we've got doors that we close off so you can't hear anything. Uh, and we basically got two two sections to our, our property. Oh, that's um, brilliant. Yeah. So it means I can get out of bed at like past six in the morning and pick up a client for like seven, which is quite nice. Yeah. And it's great that you have it all there at home and you're not having to pay rent externally as well. Yeah. So it's a really good benefit. Absolutely. You, you still got to talk to the, the local councils about that. You've got to get the right permits. You've got to get the right advertising, that sort of stuff, which can take time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you've got it, I mean, I would never hire out a venue um, for consults and, and a gym because it, it works so beautifully in, in this house. We could just yeah. sort of shut the doors to the gym and that's closed and we go back into our family life. Yeah. Oh, amazing. It's good. Yeah. So out of all those things you do, would you say you have a favorite? Uh, lecturing, I think lecturing? definitely lecturing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just because it just helps my my brain to grow a little bit, and sometimes it feels like mush with kids all around. Of um, course. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, and it's uh, one thing I'd encourage if if you're a new graduate, I would encourage you to collect jobs, yeah. um, because you never know when something's going to fail or you're going to you're going to end up 
on your ass basically. Um, so I, I knew my job in England was being made redundant in about six months time. So I decided to make the jump to Australia and then I had, I had nothing here, absolutely nothing at all. Um, but we built up the lecturing as like a big contract. We did the workshops, we did the consults, we did the personal training. So we've got four mm -hmm. avenues. And if one breaks, then we've got two other that we can push on. So obviously our school workshops has gone down now. We're not doing them because of the coronavirus. Yeah. But our gym has exploded in the last three weeks. And we're yeah. sort of pushing things through that avenue as well as the lecturing as well. Yeah, fantastic. And how have you adapted to bring things online when some of your things are quite offline and in person? Um, yeah, we've almost been forced into that, that field. So some of our regular contracts with seminars have said, can you run it online? So I've had to yeah. learn how to use Zoom. Um, I mean, with the lecturing, I've been lecturing online as well as face-to-face -face for the last three years. So I know how to use Blackboard and all, make things interactive. But it's just trying to work the logistics of Zoom. Um, and it's a little bit fiddly, but when you've got it and people know that it works, then, then you start building from there. So as I'm sure you're, you know, you, you're mastering this now as well, but it's, yeah. it's hard, hard doing it over the a video than it is with someone face to face. Yeah, but it, works. Different. it, it works. does. Yeah. And we're very lucky to be able to connect in this way all online and be able to transition our businesses online a lot of it as well. So that's great to hear. There have been ways that you've been able to bring it online. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's all about evolving, really. You have to evolve to, yeah. to survive, really. Definitely. Um, so this is probably going to be a really hard question because you do so many things, but if you had to describe a typical day in your role, <laughs> what, yeah. how would you sort of do that? Or like, how do you fit everything in there? So is this um, coronavirus or pre-coronavirus? Maybe let's go pre-coronavirus. Oh, actually, whatever's easier for you, which one would you prefer? <laughs> uh, well, the easiest one's coronavirus because I'm not okay. traveling all across the, the country to do True. workshops. Yeah, so. you probably do more now. <laughs> Yeah, so it's nice because a lot of our contracts are in the North Melbourne, so I've got to travel for an hour and a half, two hours to get there. So it, it can be quite difficult. And I lecture in Fitzroy, which is a bit of a trek as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, my, my usual typical day here is we get up anywhere from half five till six, 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, I've usually got my, myself and my wife or our other personal trainers got clients starting in the gym from 6.30. Yeah. So that probably lasts through to about 10, 10.30 roughly. And then... Um, one of, one of us will take our kids to school. We're very adamant about walking our, our children to school. Yeah. We, don't, we try and avoid using the car. Um, come back, get my other daughter to sleep about 11 to, if you really know all the ins and out, 11 to 11.30, get her to sleep, then get her to have lunch. Then in the afternoon, I'm lecturing, doing admin, um, consoles, whatever comes up. And then we've got yeah. dinner time from like four till six, get the kids into bed and then bang, we've got more personal training after 7.30 in the evening. So yeah. basically you're like bang, 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 calm, bang, 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 calm, bang, 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 calm. <laughs> um, and then we crash about nine o'clock at night and then, yeah, <laughs> hopefully sure we get some time together as a husband and wife. Yeah, you'd need it. And I'm sure you are like exhausted at night and you would sleep so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. But we're, we're pretty strict about getting our fitness in because if, you, if you're not fit, um, you, your endurance is low and you, you'll crash and burn. So we're pretty strong about going for that walk on our lunch break. Or if you get 10, 15 minutes here, let's jump on the cross trainer yeah. um, just so we, we don't hit a brick wall. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. Yeah, nice one. Well, you do very well to balance it all. <laughs> and it's yeah, I don't, God knows how we do it. I, like it's just insane what we what we do sometimes. I sit back and I'm like, we just organise chaos really, but it works. <laughs> Everything just seems to work. Everything gets ticked yeah. off and done. Invoices raised, blah blah blah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and so, what would you say your vision is for your business and your career? 
Um, I think for my, my career, I think I've sort of hit the limits of my career at the moment. I wouldn't like to take it any further with the lecturing and go to like a professor standard. I think that's a bit too, too much to take on board with doing, you know, research, you know, I've been asked over the years, you know, could we, could we work alongside you to do some research with your workshops, you know, to see behavior change. And it's, it's very hard when you're moving at such a fast pace to actually stop and then do a bit of evidence base and write it into a journal. I don't, yeah. for, for us personally, I don't see any benefit doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with maintenance modes at the moment. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it kind of sounds going. like you've got a great thing going. And yeah, just to be able to keep that going how it is, is that's incredible. Yeah, and be more of a dad. Like, um, yeah. you know, I've got, I got two kids and it's easy for me to work all the time and I don't see my kids, even though we're in the same house. Um, so I've got to spend that time with them. They've got to grow, you know, into healthy adults and I've got to put my input into that so yeah screw my back up last year showed me that I need to transition more from work over into family life so if anything it's, it's more focused on my family really yeah beautiful love it and what would you attribute your success to to date uh, grit grit, <laughs> grit <Yeah>. just um <laughs> I haven't got the, I didn't get the best marks in my degrees. I didn't get the best marks in school or college, but I, I think I've been taught grit. Like I've been through some pretty dodgy situations in the past that's taught me, you know, you've got to push forward, you've got to analyze, you've got to problem solve. Um, yeah. And I think that's the only reason that we've, succe we've succeeded is that if something doesn't work, we try, try, try. Okay, that fails. Let's go on to plan B. Sometimes we go to plan F to, yeah. to, to find an avenue. Um, but if you give up too quickly, you're not going to succeed. So yeah. I'd say that, that sort of deep down British grit that gets us, pushes through hard times. <laughs> That's brilliant advice. Um, and what yeah. would you say some skills are that people would need if they do want to go down the workshop avenue? Um, the business skills, stuff that you're not taught yeah. at, at university at all. Like they don't teach you any business skills whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you can do courses on business, which I'll definitely encourage you to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a, there's a lady on Instagram, which I, I chat with now and then, I think she's called the health label, Megan. Um, she's onto some business courses, which look fairly good. So if you are that way inclined, I'll probably see what she's up to. Yeah. Um, but learn how to use a website, learn how to invoice. Um, we use an invoicing system called MyOB, uh, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. We pay, pay for that every month, which is quite a, quite a large amount of money, but it helps streamline our invoicing. It yeah, helps keep fantastic. things in one place. Um, so learn how to business, learn how to do it, learn how to be yeah. smart, get an online booking system going um, and just build from there, really. So yeah. you, you, you probably have to pay two to $300 a month with paying for booking systems and invoicing and all that sort of stuff, but it saves you hours every month. So it is worth investing in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is so important. And as you mentioned, we don't learn enough about it or if anything in our degree. So yeah, it can be really important and it's crucial if we do want to go down that path. In terms of um, the workshop side of things, what's your advice around the actual public speaking? Like you obviously seem like a very natural speaker. Uh, have you always been this way? And if not, how did you develop your skills? Yeah, really, really good question, actually. Um, uh, I've been relatively confident in, in talking, I think. I didn't really realize that I was good at speaking and, until university speaking. Yeah. Um, so also you get pushed you know, in your modules into speaking in front of your peers, which is the hardest presentation to do, really. Yeah. Um, but I've always dropped myself in the deep end, and you either sink or you swim, really. Yeah. Um, I remember the first presentation I did for the, the health service as a public health nutritionist was training 10 physios for three hours on nutrition. 
So I was yeah. in my first week and I was like, geez, I didn't sleep like the night before. Um, so I had to structure three hours of nutrition, uh, which for anybody thinking about three hours worth of content is quite hard. Whereas now I could talk for six hours on nutrition easily and I'm still, mm-hmm. still got energy after that. So mm-hmm. you set yourself the limits, but you yeah. have to push those limits and go further and further and further. And you realize that people are just people. Yeah, you know, they want to know the information from you. My students want to pick my brains to death. My, the public want to pick your brains to death, but you've got to allow them to do that and show that you're not there to judge. You're there to support them. And also, um, you've got to find that confidence inside you somehow. It sounds quite you know, sort of Disney, really. Find that confidence, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you need to know what you're good at. If you are good with one-on-ones, great. I get fatigued after two hours of doing one-on-one consults because yeah. my brain is fried. But with workshops, I can do it for hours and hours on end. So I think you do, you've got to find what skills you like and what you're good at. Yeah. That answers your question. <laughs> it did. That was really good advice and so important too, because I think we do have so many options available to us in this industry, but it can be hard to know which way to go or to find a job in that area. But yeah, it is so important not to just be scared into taking anything just for the sake of it, if it's something that doesn't align with who you are and what you want to be doing. And yeah, really playing to your skills. I think that's really great advice. Absolutely. I mean, you've got a completely different skill set to me. You're, you're good with the online setting, menu planning, you know, organizing that structure. I would, I would struggle doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously you're amazing at doing that. So it's, you know, you found your skills. So it's, it's, it's hard to find what your skills are, but your peers yeah. help you analyze yeah. what you're good at, I think. And trying different things as well is also fantastic because you're not going to know if you're good at something or if you like it without trying and giving it a good shot and having that grit, as you mentioned as well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. A couple of quick fire questions. Um, What is one mindset shift that you would say is necessary for um, someone to be a successful nutritionist? Uh, a mindset mindset shift yeah or like a good Um, mindset to have i suppose you've sort of already talked about like knowing your um your own like having that confidence in yourself that's sort of yeah yeah absolutely um i think that yeah as i said you need to know what you're good at but i think you need to go into things with with an open mind um and allow yourself to be knocked back a few notches. Mm-hmm. So if you go into it full pelt, I'm so confident of this. It's nice when you get some curb questions from people or some criticism from people saying, Hey, you know, you could have done this a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I remember giving a, doing a guest talk to, um, a big group of people from, uh, I think it was a, a residential home. There's about 200 people in the room. And I thought, this is great. I'm going to be really good at this, you know, there's not going to be too many questions. And then after that, I, I couldn't leave the door because people were like, oh, you forgot to talk about herbs. Um, you forgot to talk about the benefit of walking. Um, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I was like, wow, I, you know, I, I'm so glad that you're giving this feedback because I'm going to use that for my next talk and then amplify more on herbs, you know, herbs and spices. Um, yeah. So allow criticism. Um, yeah. And the other thing is try not to take yourself too seriously. I, sometimes I take myself too seriously, um, but it's nice for people to poke you a little bit and have, have some fun with you um, because if yeah. you're having fun, your audience have fun with you. So ban- I'd say yeah. the thing that I've learned that works effectively is banter. If you mm-hmm. have banter with your audience, it removes you from like that professional, very serious look to more, you know what, this guy's actually a human being. We can learn something from him. And I usually go mm-hmm. by the dad angle. So I'm saying, look, I'm a dad, look, you know, I've got kids. I spend most of the time covered in food or 
I get peed on, you know, this sort of stuff that parents go through. <laughs> and and yeah. parents are like, you know what, this guy's actually a human being rather than that sort of, you know, standing professional. Yeah, makes it relatable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Oh, good question. I I, I hate reading. I, I can't stand <laughs> reading books. So I'm not a fictional We can book go person. a podcast angle if you prefer. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer listening to podcasts. I like Thinking yeah. Nutrition, so Tim Crow, um, okay. which I met a few years ago um, doing a guest speaking with. He's, he's just incredible. His podcasts are, are perfect for me because they're short, sharp, and sweet. No more than 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I would there's, there's one textbook that I, I like. So I'm, I'm very textbook based. I like I like big textbooks. I don't like journal, um, PDFs. I've got lots of textbooks behind me. I like solid textbooks. So the Understanding Nutrition textbook mm-hmm. is something that I lecture out of a lot. And again, Tim Crow helped to, to, to create that textbook. But that is my sort of foundation knowledge, which I encourage anybody to understand before you start going to advanced um, biochemistry or something like that. So get that Understanding Nutrition textbook and yeah. learn that. And that, that's your foundation book, I would say. Amazing. Great. So, well, this has been an awesome episode and I feel like there's been so much value in here, but is there anything you want to touch on or anything we haven't discussed already that you really want to get across to the audience? Um, I suppose my message is, or why I wanted to do this is to support um, graduates yeah. um, because it's a minefield nowadays. When I graduated yeah. 12 years ago, it was, there was a few more jobs around and the government were more inclined to do health promotion, work, public health, nutrition stuff. Uh, but nowadays, there seems to be less jobs and more dietitians and nutritionists. Yeah. So I would say don't graduate expecting to get into a hospital job or a clinic job straight away. You yeah. need to do such as what you're doing now is, is trying to branch out. And people want something for free now. They don't want to pay for your service up front. So I'd say go through social media. Um, Instagram is a very good avenue, but Instagram is a hole that you can fall into very quickly. Because yeah. you think, oh, I've, I've got to post all these amazing pictures every other day because people aren't going to book a consultation with me. I think mm. that's a lot of BS. <laughs> um, I think what you need to use Instagram for, and this is my personal opinion, you might have a different opinion, is collecting clients on there. So I'll go and do a workshop and I'll say, hey, guys, follow me on Instagram. You can message me through Instagram for a personal question. Yeah. Um, and that way you've got people that have met you and you're almost collecting them really. And then if yeah. you say, right, I've got a new app or I've got to use something that's growing people yeah. already know who you are and they're like you know what I'm going to jump on that and give that a go rather than people that follow you because they think you're cool or you know they think that they're going to get something free from you that they're not your clients they're yeah. they're, they're, they're drainers yeah. <laughs> you want to collect <laughs> clients on there you want to have your your profile and your clients and also your networks as well so yeah. just another angle on Instagram because obviously Instagram's a beast at the moment um if I've got a client that I'm seeing one-on-one that's outside my scope of practice. So, you know, I'm a nutritionist, I'm, I'm sort of chronic disease trained. So I do a lot of heart disease, stroke, diabetes cases. But if I've got a severe gut health issue or a severe iron deficiency anemia, for example, I'm going to flick it over to a local dietitian. Yeah. And I think that's quite important. And I do that by Instagram. So I've got a few dietitians I follow and I say, Hey, this is the client. Look out for an email from me. It's almost like a heads up. So yeah. I'd say build, build your networks through that social media um, yeah. and get people to know you quite well. But don't use it to sort of get more followers because you want to get more followers. Yeah. You want followers that know you and they, they trust you and, and all that sort of stuff. So you'll see that people are growing like 10, 20, 30,000 followers. But, you know, who are those followers? You know, are they from mm-hmm. other countries? Though I know the followers I've got um, are local to me. I've met a lot of them already. So they, I've already got that trust. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. And it's so true because ultimately you want followers that convert as opposed to, yeah, as you mentioned, just end followers on that are just following you out of interest. You want, yeah, those customers. So it's a really good point. And I think people can get scared away by huge um, influencer accounts or nutritionists that do have massive followings, but ultimately it's a great way to show people what you offer and how they can engage with you and how they can be involved with your services. Yeah, I'm glad it's just a nice, a, a nice taste and a nice, nice connecting when we can't meet up with people. So yeah, absolutely. And you did mention um, building a network there. Do you want to elaborate a little yeah. bit more about the importance of that for a successful yeah. career and how it's helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's conferences, it's, it's meetings, it's seminars, it's places where, you know, similar networks are going to go to. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been to a few Cobram estate uh, meetings. So they have a meeting every so many months, whatever, and you go and meet, basically your friends and, and then you chat about nutrition, uh, which is quite nice. And um, also LinkedIn's good for connecting with people um, yeah. a little bit, but I, I think Instagram's nice because you get to know who people are, what makes them tick and you can align with them quite nicely. So, um, but I'd probably say that any nutrition forum you get, you can go to, go to it. Yeah. Um, we're very lucky to be a member of the Victorian Health Eating Enterprise, which is an enormous forum where basically organizations like Cancer Council, Diabetes Victoria, like Woolworths, Coles, Stephanie Alexander, Jamie Oliver's all come to this one meeting every quarter and you talk about how to improve healthy eating in Victoria. Like it's a very exclusive, amazing forum and we connect with so many people. Wow. Uh, going through that so you can look at look it up on google like it's called v victorian health eating enterprise and if you work for a not-for-profit organization that focuses on nutrition then you might be able to get into that that forum um, yeah it's, it's absolutely wonderful and we sort of because we're, we're private with we found a way through because we do a lot of work contracting for not-for-profits so yeah, yeah go to those forums meet people and, and connect really yeah incredible it's cool to know that things like that do exist as well yeah that's pretty yeah. awesome yeah brilliant so most importantly where can people find you to follow along your journey and um, engage with what you do in the nutrition world yep sure well you can jump onto our website to see what services we've got so that's um if you type into google daily nutrition d-a-l-e-y nutrition you'll see all the services that we do we try and get some blog posts going in there now and then but um usually facebook and instagram um so my instagram's uh, what is it now? Luke daily underscore nutritionist at Instagram. Um, and Facebook is daily nutrition. Uh, D A L E Y nutrition. You'll find us um, on there just plugging away at, at work really. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And I will make sure I link to both of those so that people can find you and follow along and be inspired by all that you do. Um, but yeah, oh, thank you problem. so much for joining me and for sharing all of this incredible knowledge and all of your experience in the industry. You've really achieved so much to date and I look forward to continuing to watch your business blossom and you continuing to impact so many people's lives positively. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's nice to actually go through a bit of history because you yeah. end up working so much and not focusing on this. So thanks for the opportunity. It's my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. 
Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.